Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Ben! Huh? How was your week, buddy? Uh, I don't know. Again, that's, that sounds horrible. We just restarted because uh, I thought you had serious uh, things to tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm back at work still. I, I haven't been furloughed again. I was hoping I would get furloughed right away. Why would you get furloughed right away? That it started I don't know, up. but a boy can dream, can't he? <laughs> um, but I, I do have to admit, um, as much as I miss furlough and as annoyed as I am that I have to work in the office, despite the fact I have all the tools to work from home. Yes. The, the fact that I'm driving in to work every day and going into the office feels reassuringly normal in these oh. strange times. So that's been a little nugget of positivity. But, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. So you, you know, I'm always, I'm always seeing the bright side of things, right? I don't know if it's so much that. I think you've just been ignoring the realities of social interaction, uh, getting out of your house, being around people. Feels good. You were denying it this whole time. But it's a, it's a real thing. Something I deeply miss. Yeah. You kept acting like you love furlough. Oh, it's so oh, I, great. Oh, I do. I, I still wish I was on furlough, but this little bit of normalcy has uh, been a, a little bit of a silver lining to this put whole little, thing. Uh, put a little pep in your pants, huh? Uh, yeah. To, to <laughs> coin a phrase, I guess. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, besides work, anything else exciting going on in your life? Yeah, but that's none of your business. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, you've turned the tables on me. Yeah, turn the tables. Ah, well, I hope yeah. whatever none of my business is is going fine. It seems to be. <clears throat> I uh, I don't really have a whole lot. I had a strange woman at my house today. Ooh. Yeah? Yeah, I have a... Uh, okay. Remember that lady I told you about that got COVID but refused to go to the doctor or anything? She just sat at home and... Uh, sat there having a hard time breathing and stuff for days. Uh, I, I seem to recall this, yeah. Yeah. So I still haven't seen this woman face-to-face or anything, but she has a friend uh, who's recently divorced that had to flee, or she's getting divorced. She had to flee her husband uh, and now has moved back to Minneapolis and is desperately in need of furniture. And so I said, oh, I got a big... Uh, futon in the basement and some other junk around my place. Uh, she could certainly have at that. So that woman came over today, uh, and she was nice enough, uh, but she wouldn't leave. She decided she had to sit and pet my cats and then oh. talk for a long time about how yeah. crazy her soon-to-be ex-husband is. Sure. Yeah, for like three hours. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you have work and stuff that you're supposed to be doing i did but then my work i wrapped it all up and it was pretty much done and then i was helping her like take apart the futon uh and then she took part of the futon back to her place and unloaded it and then came back to get the rest of it so it just dragged on but yeah there reached a point where she spent uh, a good hour or more just sitting there petting my cat and talking about her stuff and i thought oh wait i thought you just said three hours three hours total Oh, but she wasn't there for the whole three hours? Not for the full three hours. A good hour and a oh. half of just sitting and talking. Maybe closer to two. But yeah. It was, it was a little like, uncomfortable. It was like 20 minutes, wasn't it? No, it wasn't 20 minutes. Oh. So it was definitely uncomfortable. Uh, 
I was being friendly. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. You just got done saying how much you miss interacting with people. You mm-hmm. interacted with a person today for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, I guess. And <laughs> you sound like you can stand it. So make up your mind. Uh, well, it depends on the, uh, the agendas of the person you're spending time with. Uh, she really wanted to talk about her horrible marriage and uh, pet my cat and just wasn't going to leave. She's coming back tomorrow because she's picking up a bookcase that's out in my garage. So you like interacting with people socially, but only on your on precise terms. terms. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. It's kind of like nice. the uh, classic uh, quote from uh, Citizen Kane, which is, love on my terms is the only type of love anyone ever knows. And that's the way I treat friendships, social interaction. Sounds healthy. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Well, that's about it. Uh, I read our book. Uh, I've had kids. That's it. I got nothing else. Pretty boring yeah, week. I mean, what else is there? That's all you need. Kids and books. I mean, you think from our last podcast with uh, everything going crazy, we'd have so much more to talk about. But no, suddenly everything just kind of got relatively quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things still aren't quiet, but compared to the way it was last week, uh, seems like the world's calm now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Minneapolis yeah. going to fund the police. That's a thing. Uh, yeah. Who's going to enforce the laws? And I haven't seen all the details of this plan. Um, I'm I'm behind it, I guess, in principle. But I, I am curious what the details of this are. Uh, as far as I understand, it's kind of like uh, nurses and doctors that work in hospitals that are like usually high traffic. And, um, you know, you'll get crazy people that come in in the middle of the night uh, threatening to kill people with a knife, things like that. And they're always able to de-escalate it, uh, especially with just their their local security guards and that kind of stuff. They don't have to call the cops. The cops don't have to be there. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, there are times when they call the police because someone's completely out of hand and super dangerous. But otherwise, you know, a huge percentage of the time it's kind of handled internally and fine. Yeah, and I, I get that. Like, I certainly don't want police officers <clears throat> responding to, like, mental health emergencies. I get that. Yeah. But I'm just curious, for the times where law enforcement actually is needed, who's going to be doing that? Well, there'll still be law enforcement. When they're saying that they're, like, disbanding the police, I don't understand that part specifically. I do oh, understand so, so I shouldn't be asking you then, I guess. No. Okay. I understand that defunding just means that they're taking the money that, the, a lot of money that the police get, uh, and putting it towards other programs. So when you call 911, and it's somebody that's having a mental health issue, then they can send the appropriate person versus the police. Is yeah, what I understand. I, but as far as disbanding the police, I don't really get what that's about. And I haven't really okay. read up on it yet. So, Yeah, I haven't either. I should educate myself because, again, in principle, this all sounds great to me. I agree with the basic tenants here, but I'm curious about the details of how some of this works. Yeah. Well, I don't think, like, if there's a a hostage situation or a bank robbery. I don't think they're going to send like an HR representative. I think there's still police. Well, but I mean, okay. So what does disband mean then? I guess if that's where I'm confused too. That's what I'm curious. Okay. I don't know. I'm totally ignorant. All right. Well, we both are. And I'm glad to see you're as ignorant as I am. So that's nice. Yeah. It's reassuring. How's it feel, Ben? How's it feel to be as ignorant as me? I I don't think I like it. Kind of sucks. Doesn't it? Walking around being this stupid. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Well, neither one of us weirdly have anything to talk about, even though there still are protests going on worldwide. 
Uh, President Trump has put a, an entire wall around the White House. <laughs> they put a big yeah. chain-link fence around the White House. <laughs> That's his forte. I mean, stick with what you're good at. The mayor of D.C. took the connecting street that leads to the White House and renamed it Black Lives Matter Square and actually wrote in giant yellow letters, Black Lives Matter, down the street. Yeah, I saw that. Which is, I, I'm happy with it. I think it's a, a nice little fuck you to the president that he lives on uh, Pennsylvania and black lives matter streets. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree completely. Any fuck you, we can give it to the president. I am all, all on board. Absolutely. So, I mean, those things are exciting, but as far as my personal life, uh, still watering the lawn, not winning that battle. Uh, that's it. Oh, Wait, we are not women. winning that battle. I thought you were. I'm, so the compliments for your lawn are going away. Well, I thought, I thought your lawn was the talk of the neighborhood. It was, but it's all uh, smoke and mirrors. They're seeing it from an angle, since my lawn is a little bit raised from the street. But when you walk, when you get up on the sidewalk and you look down, giant bald spots everywhere, and I can't seem to get anything to grow there. So that's uh, those are the things that a small man worries about. And so <laughs> <laughs> a small, petty man <laughs> who offers nothing to society. I, well, I wouldn't say nothing. I mean... He offers little to society, but not nothing. Yeah, I offer furniture to strange women. There you go. That's something. Yeah, I guess you're right, Ben. Hey, you're <laughs> making me feel better, Ben. Here's your futon, lady. Now get the fuck out. Stop talking to me. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm glad she didn't ask me to come haul it into her apartment with her because that was not something I wanted to do was get up and uh, have to help suddenly move people's furniture. It would kind of stink. But Would you have done it, though, if she had asked? Oh, no. I had my limits. I mean, okay. it's one thing where it's like I'm too polite to say, ah, you should get out. But it's uh, it's another if she said, hey, come help me move this into my apartment. I'd say, no, nah, I'm busy. So well, that's about it. Uh, anything from Gretchen? Oh, yes. Oh, good. All right. So she apologizes for this blurb being a bit long. <laughs> Gretchen's backyard <laughs> blast bird blurb. <laughs> Uh, we're still with the Corvids. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless them. And this is out of a book that I gave to her a while ago, a book about crows, because I knew she's a big fan. Wow. There's a yeah. lot to unpack there, but I guess, I just, I guess I'll just walk away from it. What, that I gave my mom a nice thoughtful gift? Is that what you need to unpack? Or? Uh, you never normally hear someone say, oh, for my mom's birthday gift, I gave her a book on crows. I mean, yes, she likes them, but, you know, it's kind of an odd gift. I mean, how much does she love crows? Well, you know, just as much as I, you, that's all she talks about, right? Well, what do you know like about a, her? I thought it was like a mild interest. Then she get on Wikipedia or something. I didn't realize that she's got a library why, of crow Why material. do you think she steered the show in this direction in the first place? <laughs> she, her, her job, her career was dental hygiene, but you know, her passion <laughs> is crows. And that's why she's so adamant about adding the uh, back air plastic bird blurb. Wow. Does she go to like CorvidCon and things like that? Does she dress as like her favorite type of crow? Some literary crow? (laughs) God, I hope not. (laughs) She probably has a secret life you know nothing about. But Uh, anyways, go on. This comes from the book that you gave her. And I I guess this isn't about crows specifically, but their very close relative, uh, the magpie. Mm -hmm. A woman in Sweden liked to feed her neighborhood magpies. They even learned to ring her doorbell, and she would bring them food. Her husband did not like them and would shoo them away. So the magpies would poop on his car. They only pooped on his car and only on the driver's side on the windshield. He switched parking spots with his wife, 
but they still knew which car was his. Oh, wow. So he had to clean the windshield every day before work. So be kind to your local Corvids. They can hold a grudge. <laughs> wow. I, I should mention um, that after I gave her this book, there's, there's uh, not only do Corvids exact revenge on their human enemies, uh, they can bestow their human friends with gifts. Um, there's some <laughs> anecdotes can. in the book about that. Um, so after my mom read that, she was feeding the crows and hoping that she would get some gifts in return, but I don't think she ever did. What kind of gifts they do, uh, do they bestow on humans? Just like shiny things that they find. This is adorable. Now I want to start yeah. feeding crows. Yeah. Except that they scream at me every time I walk by. It doesn't matter where I live. Well, maybe it's because they're hungry. If you just fed them. Hmm. How do you would... specifically feed a crow and not the, all the rest of the, uh, the wildlife out there? I don't know. Gretchen? There you go. Help us, help us out. Maybe uh, next on Backyard Blast. Uh, what was it again? Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. Bird Blurb. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she can give us uh, tips on how to specifically feed crows and make a crow yeah. army. Although maybe she can't because again, she's been unsuccessful in this endeavor. Oh, she hasn't been. Su- okay. So she hasn't yeah, gotten she, she has, she has not gotten any gifts from the crows, but does she feed them? Do they take her food? Well, of course they do. Yeah, then it's just a matter of time. Maybe she should step up the game and put a lasagna out there or something well, like that. She's been doing this for years. I, I don't know. Sorry, Gretchen. I don't know if this is going to happen for you. <laughs> All right, with that, should we dive into our book? Yeah, why not? All right. Well, anyways, Ben... This week yeah. we Ham. read. So is Ham's your uh, beer of choice, or you just happen to have it? Or uh, I bought some. Uh, I'm a big fan. It's I've uh, over the last few years gotten more into old man beer, so Paps and Hams and the like. And I gotta say, Hams for whatever fourteen dollars for a thirty pack. That's that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, and they don't sell anything smaller. Uh, so the other night when it was really warm out and I wanted to sit outside and finish reading our book, I thought. Oh, it'd be nice if I sat here with a with a nice, delicious Ham's beer. And the best part about Ham's beer is you can drink like four of them, and you don't really get drunk or anything. So you can just uh, enjoy the flavor of the beer. Maybe you get a small buzz, and you can sit outside and read a book. Uh, but they don't sell six packs. It's only like 30 packs, at least at the liquor store yeah. by my place. So yeah, I have this giant crate of Ham's beer now <laughs> that I've just been slowly like opening up the random can here and there uh on the evenings and so so yeah i'm enjoying a ham's beer right now and once we get done recording the podcast i will sit outside and edit the podcast perhaps with a second ham's beer you sure you want to sit outside it's kind of hot out there that's the best time especially in the evening when the sun's down oh yeah it's nice okay but yeah um so speaking of books yeah i'm trying to get back on topic uh, we read Gustbusters. Gustbusters. <laughs> Gustbusters. Uh, the original movie novelization. Um, we got a two in one, but we only read the first one for Ghostbusters, the original movie. Yep. Um, I also bought a new Kindle, which 
I can highlight and make notes, and then I can email myself the notes. So, Ben, yeah. I've got notes again. Okay. I have a notebook, so I can also take notes. Eh, it's not the same, because I get quotes from the book. You're, you're living in the past. Yeah. I'm the future. Okay. This movie... <laughs> I have a whole shelf, though, in my living room, on my bookshelf, of just Book Boys books. You don't have that. You don't have any... I have a collection Any keepsake, any souvenir. Well, yeah, but you can't look at that and... I can turn it on. I can look at the home screen, and it shows the library of recently read books, and I can just smile quietly to myself. Do you do that, though? Sometimes. No, you don't. I'll definitely do it after you die. I... Okay. (laughs) Wait... First, what you think I'm gonna die before you? Ah, with the kind of lifestyle you live, yeah, I could see it. I'm not the one having four hams every night. <laughs> not having four hams every night. Did you have hams last night? Uh, yeah, I had a hams last night. They get kind of waterlogged. And you're having hams right now? I'm having a hams right now. And you've already expressed your desire to have more hams tonight? Eh, I might have a second hams. If you drink yeah, too many hams, you get sleepy and waterlogged. Yeah, you're not gonna outlive me. I'll be fine. You're the I've, one that's going to break your knees trying to play soccer with your friends and stuff. You're going to be the one crippled. You're going to fall down the side of a cliff or something. Anyways. Oh, okay, so I'm going to die by misfortune before you die of just poor health. <laughs> yep. Okay. Of slovenly living and eating and, yeah, everything. I think I'll outlive you. Well, time will tell. Let's uh, let's make the bet now and see how it plays out. Well, what's the, what's the point of the bet? Because whoever loses isn't going to be able to pay up on it. Whoever doesn't die first has to write uh, Twilight fan fiction and try to get it published. <laughs> Wait, now now we're incentivizing dying first. Yep. I don't want to have to do that. I'd rather die than write Twilight fan fiction. But you'll do it because if I die first, you'll be like, ugh. And you got to put in memory of Glenn. On the on the front or whatever. Um, do do you want to be a werewolf, Glenn? Should I, <laughs> should I write you in as a werewolf? I like it if you created a new type of, uh, you know, what do they call them? Cryptids, uh, you know, paranormal creatures. Like I could be a Bigfoot or something. Okay. Which I really hope in her next attempt at extending this universe that she includes more creatures. We got vampires. We got werewolves. Uh. Yeah, what about Chupacabra or something? Isn't there anything else you can throw in there? It's been like, you know, 15 years. But let's move on. We're talking about Gustbusters. Yep. The movie was originally released in 1984, before the book was published. Yeah, Uh, which my main point of this book is, uh, why does this exist? Exactly. Um, I thought it would be interesting because uh, another podcast I listened to talked about the black hole, as I said before. Uh, that movie from the 80s, or 79, and um, and that they fleshed out a lot of details that weren't in the movie and uh, made it a really interesting story. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So the only kind of novelization I could find is just Ghostbusters uh, or a bajillion Star Wars. Um, and so I thought, okay, so maybe this will make the movie a little more interesting. But no, the book wasn't that interesting. But let me go on. Originally, um, the movie was supposed to star John Belushi. He died. Uh, yep, he died. Uh, the original idea for the movie involved John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd traveling through space and time and other dimensions to fight different types of spiritual entities, which sounds horrible. 
But John's death meant they got less funding in the movie and they had to make it more realistic, and so they just set it in New York. Uh, John Candy was suggested uh, for portraying Tully, uh, who Rick Barrettis winds up playing. He's uh, also dead, but he died after that movie. Uh, much further after that movie. Uh, 1991, I think? Or no, 92. Or 93. No, Somewhere 93. Early 90s. Yeah, because yeah. it was after Cool Runnings. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> he, uh, but can, John Candy kept saying that he couldn't under, he couldn't feel the character or get into the character or understand the character. So he was saying that he should play Tully with a German accent and he should have multiple German shepherds. So they decided that was ridiculous and they just chose Rick Moranis because uh, they'd seen him do some work in Toronto. And, uh, oh, they said... Uh, that- John Candy um, left us in 1994. Oh, 94. At the age of 43. Hey, you're even older than that. Hey, you I'll, all live John Candy. I'll live John Candy, Ben. You got that going. I'm going to be the last to die, that's for sure. Uh, but the funny part is is uh, that he called Reitman back about an hour later and accepted the part, saying that he understood the character completely. So basically shitting on John Candy. Uh, Sigourney Weaver gets. Were the, they were Misters hmm. Candy and Moranis in the same comedy troupe back in the day? I thought Did, they was there were. some sort of rivalry was, there? No, it was SCTV is what they were on originally, like in the late seventies and early eighties. Yeah, together, I thought they were together. Yeah, so it's yeah. weird that I don't know. Maybe there's some rivalry. But yeah, I want I want the dirt on this. Uh, this rivalry. Well, now we got to look that up. Maybe there's a little uh, something out there we can read up. John Candy. Uh, closely guards his uh, persona, or did closely guard his persona, because there's a biography out about him that after he died, and I wound up uh, getting it from the library and reading it, and it was eh, the most boring thing. It had nothing interesting to say. It was just a lot of fluff to make him look good. But you know, I think a guy uh, guy like that's got to have a lot of uh, demons, a lot of skeletons in his closet. Sigourney Weaver plays the role of Dana, uh, she was in competition with Julia Roberts for the role, and because Sigourney Weaver was well known for her alien movies and other serious roles, uh, she won the part by getting on all fours and acting like a dog. <laughs> well, I mean, she, she got the desired results. So she got the desired results. There's just something weird about hearing that she got on all fours and acted like a dog and got the role that way. It's just a little odd, but all right, yeah. so she got the part. Uh, the novelization came out years later, uh, almost nothing, or a year later, I think. Yeah, when did the, I was trying to figure out when this, exactly this came out. Is it the year after? Yeah, I'm not sure. Let's look at that. Let's see if it actually says that anywhere in the beginning of the book. Oh, yeah, 1985, I guess. Okay. Oh, was it? Okay. Um, so not a lot said about the novelization. Uh, there's like, I tried to look up any kind of like... Because this is a reissue that we are reading, as like for Ghostbusters one and two, as if the novelizations yeah. for this movie were such a great thing that people were clamoring to have it back again. Uh, but there's nothing out there about it, so it's not like these these won awards or anything like that. No, um, no, and no. you can after reading it, uh, it's pretty obvious why they didn't win any awards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, can, I, can I just say, back up? Uh, you, sure. you said from your childhood you're pretty familiar with Ghostbusters. You watched it mm. a lot. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, the first movie. I watched it over okay. and over and over again. I haven't seen it in a long time, so um, you're going to be way more familiar with it than well, I am. But did it? Did this novelization of it just hew pretty close to what the movie was? 
I think so, because then again, okay. I watched this movie over and over and over for an entire summer, like every morning. Uh, but that was all back in, you know, 87 or 88 or something when it was on, uh, like, video cassette. So I was reading parts of this book, and I'm like, is that in the movie? I don't even know if that's in the movie. So I'm not exactly sure. So I technically haven't seen it in a long time, even though I watched it repeatedly. It gotcha. should be bored into my brain by at that point, but... Can I just hmm. toss in a tidbit of uh, my childhood relationship to this movie? No, go ahead. I'd love to hear it, Ben. Well, uh, growing up, my uh, parents had the Ghostbusters uh, soundtrack on vinyl. And the uh, <laughs> original Ghostbusters theme by Ray Parker Jr. was, I think, my favorite song when I was about four or five years old. Oh, wow. Did you do yeah. a little dance when they played it, Ben? I don't know. Gretchen, uh, did I dance? Yeah, do they have a video recorder? They record you doing oh. like a, oh, isn't it cute when he does the Ghostbusters dance? You do some kind of little shimmy with your legs or something. We didn't have a video recorder. Who do you think we are? The yeah. freaking Rockefellers? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I was in eighth grade, I hung out with a kid that had a video recorder, and oh my God, I constantly had that thing. Kept saying, can I use it again? Can I use it? Let's, let's film something. Because it was like being around a, a rich person. What sorts of things were you filming, Glenn? Uh, you know, funny skits, things that young kids do. Okay. That kind of thing. Uh, proto, uh, proto YouTuber stuff. Okay. Lost to the ages. Probably got That's recorded good. over because I'm sure when that friend of mine got older, he probably recorded over it for some kind of porn that he got on. Uh, I forget what spice the spice channel. If you watch it in negative. <laughs> 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 you flip over to that and you just sit there and just wait and just wait and wait and you can kind of make out what's going on all of a sudden boop it gets in there in black and white and you got like two seconds to use it <laughs> well anyways yeah Ghostbusters for me I was going to say um, so Zo Ghostbusters kind of uh, I don't know if zeitgeist is the right term it was a big thing in 84 and I remember in my neighborhood uh, you know Friday and Saturday nights the neighbors would <clears throat> go out to the courtyard and all get together and sit around and drink and grill stuff and just be loud and everything. And um, But when Ghostbusters came out, that's all they did is talk about Ghostbusters. And I remember a couple of the adults wearing the Ghostbusters t-shirt and all that crap. And um, I was thinking, yeah, in the 80s and a little bit of the 90s, you had a lot of those big events that kind of affected everyone. Do we have anything that affects culture anymore? like stuff like that did back then i can't think of anything i don't know like beyonce no one spends their free time talking about beyonce or wearing a beyonce t-shirt well, i'm sure some people do like jaws jaws is a big deal raiders of the lost ark star wars when it first came out was a big deal everyone's talking about it but uh well you're back in the office what do people talk about around the water cooler uh we're not allowed to talk to each other <laughs> seriously because <laughs> of the masks um, too proud to wear masks so no one gets to talk to anyone yeah, I, yeah, the mask thing. Jeez, I, yeah. Is anyone wearing a mask? Or are they all? No, I, haven't, I haven't seen a single mask in the office. Oh my when, God. when I got called back in, my boss said, "You can wear a mask if you want." Yeah, I remember you saying that. But nobody's nobody's doing. I'm not going to be the only person wearing a mask. Anyways, uh, the novelization. As so, we don't have any uh, big events like Ghostbusters. So it's kind of getting a little wistful for the old days when like everyone would talk about the one movie or the one TV show, or, you know, when Michael Jackson became a big deal, everyone's talking about that album. Like, I don't really see that happening as much, or maybe I'm just ignorant. I'm not sure, but I, th I think it doesn't happen as much because everyone is 
just streaming what they want at their yeah, leisure and kind it's of not, diluted yeah yeah it's <clears> not <throat> there's there's so much more choice now and so people are all consuming it's more segmented and people aren't yeah I guess it's maybe the big cultural moments maybe Tiger King was the closest thing we've had to something like that yeah, but that wouldn't be anywhere near the scale, right? That was no. people were talking about that for like a week, and then it was done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, reading this book. Before we dive in, uh, any initial thoughts? Well, I said I, I, I'm not sure why this book exists. Um, right. I know. Also, I don't know who this was written for exactly because it seems the writing is childlike almost. <laughs> and yet, at the same time, there's all sorts of there's like some oh, weird sexual innuendo in there. Yes, quite a bit. So I was like trying to figure out who the audience is, mm-hmm. and then the book itself there, it's just sloppy. There's some quite a few like spelling and punctuation errors. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Really? Yeah. So it seems like it was just slapped together. I don't know why it was slapped together. I don't know who was supposed to be reading this. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's a pointless book. I thought it was jarring how it seemed to go back and forth between bizarrely fleshing out characters that were minor characters, but giving them a lot of backstory leading up to the big moment. Of when they show, you know, oh, I could hear a bird outside your window, Ben. Yes. <laughs> um, so it bounces back and forth between that, and then, um, and then just really crappy, sloppy writing, as if they got tired and they're just trying to get through the chapter and just get it over with. So clearly, they're they're running off a of, whoever wrote this is running off a of script and trying to rewrite the kind of bare bones structure of the script and try to make it into more of a book or a story. So they flesh out. So, like, you got Harlan Boje and Robert Learned Combs. Combs? Yeah, are they... Two, like, like, two winos or homeless guys or cartoonish? Is that what they are? Or yeah. they a gay couple or something? I wasn't sure <laughs> what they were. Well, no, seriously, I didn't know if that's what they were. Like, yeah, what, I was confused by those guys. Yeah, they're sitting around drinking uh, wine outside the library on the first chapter. And yeah, and what's, what's the point of them as... I don't understand what I, purpose they were serving in the book. I know. Well, I think in the movie, and now this is where I don't remember, but I swear in the movie, they these two homeless kind of drunk characters show up in a really minor way. Like one of them drops something and, you know, or, you know, one of the Ghostbusters drops something and they're like, oh, hey, look at this. And they're all happy. But here, the author sloppily tries to make them kind of a running narrative where they're almost like, something out of a Shakespearean play where they're there to witness the big events and then comment on them. Yeah. They're there in the beginning. They show up a couple times in the middle and then they're there at the end. Uh, and it's not well done and it's super sloppy. Also, why are there uh, quotes, famous people's quotes at the beginning of every chapter? <laughs> I was wondering about that because they didn't really seem to tie in. Almost not narrative. at all. I know. They, Yeah, they were just there. I didn't. Yeah, I noticed that and was curious as yeah, the to why. First chapter is from John, or the quote is from John Burroughs saying, How much there is in books that one does not want to know, dot, dot, dot. And this is the chapter where a librarian sees a ghost. So I guess, yeah. okay, that sort of ties in. I know, but this is, yeah, it was just dumb. There's quotes from like Mark Twain and 
Ralph Waldo Emerson and the like. <laughs> you know, like why why is this in there? I know exactly. And where was a? Uh, I made a note about another quote. Oh, I guess I didn't. Hold on. Backstory sucks. Oh, yeah, from Mark Twain. Uh, one that says, The government is not best which best secures mere life and property. There is a more valuable thing, manhood. And that has almost nothing to do with the chapter that it was in. Um, can, I, can I share one of the quotes that I liked to begin the chapter? Yeah, go nuts. I was going to find the chapter with the Mark Twain quote. Go ahead. So, so chapter seven, the, the quote was from... Ralph Waldo Emerson. I'm assuming that's who it was. It just says Emerson. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) It is one of the blessings of old friends that you can afford to be stupid with them. Oh, I remember reading that one. (laughs) I'm glad glad that you feel like you can afford to be stupid with me. Well, apparently it's catching because you're just as ignorant as I am. So now you know what that's like. Old friends. Old friends. Uh... Yeah, so the, so some of the useless backstory when it comes to Bojay and uh, Combs, the two winos, uh, they, he writes, or he or she, whoever wrote this thing, writes, uh, two men who particularly reveled in the sunlight that September day were Harlan Bojay and Robert Learn Combs. Bojay had once been a jockey until at the age of 24, he had inexplicably gained 45 pounds and four inches in height, which finished forever his dreams of winning the Triple Crown. So that's ridiculous. It's like so weird. Uh, this had been some 35 years ago, and Bojay had been unemployed since. His partner, Combs, a tacturn Oklahoma Indian, had come to New York to make his fortune as a singer and had drive, ambition, uh, daring, and pizzazz. Everything, in fact, but a voice. So Harlan Bojay and Robert Learn Combs were now partners in leisure, philosophy, and life. What is that? That makes no sense. And later on in the book, uh, Bill Murray's character... Um, he comes from uh, he grew up in a circus was the backstory on him that he grew up with a carny <laughs> oh Venkman yeah yeah the, was that and that was was that Bill Murray's character in the movie is that yeah he's supposed to be okay. sort of the cocky whatever yeah but yeah I even wrote uh, Peter was born in a carnival and then like it, then they won't give it up like he keeps working in the carnival backstory. There's another one uh, uh, where Venkman's talking to the mayor and he goes, uh, Venkman grinned. He liked the mayor. Uh, the mayor. He would have done well back on the carny. So like he keeps working in this carny backstory that has nothing to do with the movie and seems so abstract and bizarre that I started to, after a while, to kind of think that the author was angry while writing this book and was just trying to fuck with him. <laughs> That's my only guess. Maybe. Uh, the librarian they fleshed out. And this is the stuff that's supposed to make it interesting. Um, that she was 29, working in New York Public Library. Stout, plain, any sort of meaningful social life had eluded her. She'd become an exile in her own mind, prisoner of her fantasies. The last man had gone home with her, had left her in the morning with her VCR. She'd give up trying. Uh, movie books about gaining wisdom and greatness. And then she's got a sexual aspect, which is she's digging in some old books and says, behind one of them in a collection of European popular Inkabala. Uh, she had discovered a book of woodcuts dis- depicting sexual positions and comse- concepts, concepts she had not dreamed existed. So when the ghost does show up, she screams, I promise I'll never look at a dirty picture again. Yeah. So there's a lot of backstory in trying to tie in with her ghost experience that 
wasn't necessary and just really weird. So, the whole book's like that. <laughs> uh, it, was d- it was dumb. Yeah, the whole thing is just dumb. Um, I, I, I gotta say, I didn't. I don't know what you planned on talking about with this, but I didn't take a ton of notes because I was just trying to get through it. Oh, that's fine. I can take over. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, there's the special line uh, where he says, back off, I'm a scientist. And uh, in the movie, it's Bill Murray being funny and screaming, back off, I'm a scientist. He's trying to hit on a woman and being told to cut it out. Uh, doesn't come off very well, this book. Just comes off as bad writing. Um, so they don't rework any of that. There's the background. Yeah, and and in this book, he's like this, like a sexual predator. But then he like gets the girl in the end for no reason. Well, he's like that in the movie too. But I guess it comes off as somehow more charming and less rapey somehow. Yeah, because um, it came off a little rapey in the book. Oh, it comes off a lot rapey in the book. Yeah, there's a lot of sexism. sexism. Um, oh, granted, Spengler had accomplished a few firsts. He had been the first scientist to hypnotize a hamster by subjecting it to low-frequency radio waves. Peter tried it later and found that it also works on co-eds. So that's just rape? A little rapey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. A little bit on the rapey side of that. Uh, non-consensual things. Yeah, okay. Uh, they even gave a story to the uh, to the doorman um, when he sees the ectomobile. Uh, it brings back childhood memories of Eastern Europe that he had taken great pains to forget and instinctively crossed himself. That didn't have any purpose. <laughs> it's just insane. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. Um, they planted a ghost uh, in uh, a place uh, where nobody believed that they actually hunt ghosts, so they released a ghost in there so they can make them pay and remove it. In the newspaper office. Oh, was it the newspaper office? That's yeah, because right. they wrote a, an unfavorable article about the Ghostbusters. Oh, that's they're right. They were a little yeah. skeptical of what they're doing, so they released a ghost in the office. Yeah. Uh, got some mildly racist stuff like when they uh, oh I forgot the the character's name oh who's the racist now yeah I guess I'm the racist I forgot his name uh, but so they say you're black Stance said delightedly yes I know no you see that certain forms of vapors particularly the later types of cyclical uh, roamers respond better to black people I couldn't decide if that's racist or not but it doesn't feel comfortable. <laughs> so, no, it's not. Uh, devil dogs have thoughts. Uh, that was weird for me. That the devil dogs you see running around the movies growling and killing people. Uh, they actually hear they have uh, their their thoughts are narrated. So that was weird. Uh, there's a whole sexual scene with Dana about her skin glistening softly and her eyes uh, being wide and luminous. Uh, the whole thing was fluffed with weird backstories that were completely useless. I think uh, Bill Murray's character having this carny background was the only backstory that was brought up more than once, as if it had a purpose. And it's just basically everything you saw in the movie, and then it's done. And that's it. (laughs) I was like, I feel like it kind of just wasted my time. Like, there's almost nothing to talk about with this, because it's a movie most of us have all seen, and, uh, and it's just written poorly. Yeah, again, I, what, what was the point of this? I don't... Uh, are there people who, like, I don't know, couldn't afford to go to the movie theater, so they had to buy a book to... <clears throat> is that who this is for? Again, I'm just struggling with who 
the intended audience is? Uh, I think it's, well, since in the early 80s, so like when E.T. came out, that was a movie that stayed in the theaters for like two years. And when I was a kid, I saw it like multiple times. Um, but they had uh, books about E.T. And um, that was for people that weren't going to see it more than once. It's like you didn't have a VCR. You couldn't just watch the movie because you loved it so much. You had to try to relive it somehow, like in another way, because you can't go to a movie okay. theater all the time. So it's kind of your way of reliving it um, by reading about it. Uh, so, yeah, E.T. was that way. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, all the big movies had books uh, put out there for that. And so this was just one of the many in that era where people would sit around and read the Ghostbusters book because they're not going to go see the movie again. They can't afford it, maybe, or who knows what. But Were you at all put off by the character who was described as having a Joseph Goebbels smile? Which one is that? Was that the... Uh, it was near the beginning when they were getting uh, evicted from the university there, the lab, and the oh, the dean, Dean Yeager, was the, described as being an overfed career hack with a ratty Joseph Goebbels smile, <laughs> which is weird. Why would you... The notorious Nazi reference. Why, why are you putting that in there? <laughs> I know. Well, they, just want to, they want to make sure that you dislike him without having to describe a whole lot why you should. I mean, I guess I'm glad they showed restraint and just didn't say he had a Hitler smile, but <laughs> yep, exactly using the propaganda minister isn't much better. I, yeah, so that was, it just struck me as odd. Uh, I liked how uh, Egon uh, was having a tough time trying to talk to the person they hired as their receptionist. Uh, and so he says, hi, making mental note to ask Peter how to, t uh, how to talk to girls. They are far more complicated than fungus or ghosts for that matter. He wondered abstractly if anyone's ever done a study. Ain't so, that the truth? Yeah. They're complicated. Hey, when are scientists going to study women? You know what I mean? <laughs> what mysterious creatures. <laughs> uh, at the very end, the two homeless guys uh, are back. Uh, this is after the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man explodes. Uh, even though they make it very clear that if you cross the streams, you'll potentially be thrown into a different dimension and never be able to escape. But they cross the streams and everything's fine. Uh, so that was weird. That was something I just never paid attention to in the movie because I was a kid. Uh, but it says, for the safety of a tree in the park, Harlan Boje and Robert Lern Combs watched Walter Peck go by. He appears to be heading for the lake, Combs declared, probably going to wash himself off. That definitely looked like marshmallow to me. Combs nodded. Sure, a lot of it, though. You would have to wonder why anyone would dump marshmallow of that size right in the middle of the street. Robert Lerncombe stretched his chin shrewdly. I wonder if there might not be a very large cup of hot chocolate somewhere in the area. And that was the end of the book. And thank God that was the end. I know. I was like, I was like wow, they brought the two homeless guys full circle. Ugh. Really ties it all together. Well, let's wrap this up. Okay. Well, this is a waste of time book. This is our inaugural, we're going to both read the same thing book, and it's barely anything to talk about. No, nah, that's fine. <laughs> I, uh, I would ask, oh, what are your thoughts? But I think our thoughts are pretty clear. It was boring. It pointless. Was pointless and stupid and just a giant waste of time. Kind of weird. Definitely weird. 
Uh, not in a good way. No, not in a good way at all. You I know what I just found out? Hmm. There's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out, uh, expected to be released next March. Yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. I kind of wish oh, are you already stopped. familiar with this? No, I've heard about it. After doing the okay. research on this book, I saw that there's Afterlife. Uh, yeah, it's got the kid from Stranger Things in there. Is it the original cast who's still alive, or is it just like... Well, it's Sigourney Weaver, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd are all in it. Ernie Hudson. Oh, Ernie Hudson. He played he the character whose name I can't remember. Um, Dr. Winston Zedmore. Oh, that's right, Zedmore. They gave him a huge backstory, too, and it was a mildly interesting one. Never followed up through on that one. Uh, yeah, why are they still doing this? They had the two Ghostbusters, then they had the Ghostbusters revamp or reboot that didn't do so hot, and now they're doing this one. Are they trying to erase the memory of the Ghostbusters reboot? I don't understand what the point of this is. Is this like a, a last waltz? For the remaining Ghostbusters actors, I don't understand the point. Well, don't watch it then. I was just throwing out a tidbit that there's a new movie coming. You don't have to attack me. I'm not attacking you. Are you going to go see it, Ben? I doubt it. I don't see a lot of <laughs> movies, though. So. Well, that's interesting. Well, I mean, why would you now? I mean, who knows when movie theaters are going to open up again? By the time I, it comes on, out in next on, March, it'll... On get- Wednesday, I thought... Oh, really? They're opening the I think the they're opening at either 25 or 50% capacity oh here, here in the great state of Minnesota. That doesn't seem like the smartest thing, but all right. Whatever. We're not New Zealand. We didn't completely eradicate the virus, but... Yeah, good for them, huh? Yeah, I know. Can you believe that? 100% gone for God yeah. knows what, how long of a stretch. Well, that's what you get when things are organized. Um, well, so are we going to read something else? Hey, if you don't like it, you can get out, all right? We're <laughs> Americans. <laughs> <laughs> but Ben, where am I going to go? Oh, wait, New Zealand. That's where oh, they I go. Won't. They won't take you. No, they won't. I'm probably infected. They'll keep me quarantined uh, out on a ship at sea until they finally allow me to go back in. What are we going to read next, Ben? Well, I wanted to talk about that. Oh, Christ. Well, I I might need to take a week off here. Oh, well, well. Why is that? I was busy with work stuff and volunteer stuff. All right. Well, we can yeah. take a week off then. And other stuff. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that other stuff then? It's none of your business. All right. Um, oh. And then, yeah, after that, after we take a, a week off, are we going to get back into Twilight? I suppose we probably should. Do you think you'll have a book by then? Uh, yeah, so I totally forgot to follow up with the library on that, so I will make that a to-do so I can get my hands on that. Oh, boy. All right, fine. All right, well, we're taking a week off. Ben's breaking up with me, and then uh, we'll pick up at Twilight if he still loves me. I probably do. (laughs) Are you going to do it, Ben, or is this also not a... With a week off, are you really going to leave us like this without a screaming uh, book voice? Again, I I think... We've been over this, but I, I think I'd prefer to leave the screaming until we're back in person because it's just not the same without seeing you visibly cringing at what I'm doing. All right, fine. I, I need that visual. I'm a I'm a visual creature. What if you we prepare, you do it, and then I text message you a picture of me cringing? Would that feel the same at all? No, I don't think so. All right, fine. Well, with that, 
Thanks for listening. Uh, don't tune in next week because Ben won't. <laughs> Do you want to? Maybe you should edit together a clip show for next week. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of work that I'm not going to do. <laughs> uh, labor of love. Well, you'll have all the time that you normally would have spent reading. That's true. Actually, I have to read a different book. Uh, a friend of oh. mine has written a book that... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's uh, this won't stay in the show, I guess. It's the guy with uh, autism. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and he's all these like uh, illustrations. He's a, an amazing illustrator. And all these illustrations he makes are basically furries in space. It's anthropomorphic dogs and cats and everything else that are in space. And But uh, furry thing aside, it is insanely detailed. He's drawn every single ship, what the ship's interiors look like, what the, how the engines run, what the living quarters are, what their guns are like, the different breeds and races from planets and all this stuff. So it's just insanely detailed. Um, and... He just kept drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing. And then I finally told him, like, well, are you ever planning on doing anything with this? Like, you built this entire universe in your mind. Um, are you going to make a comic or are you going to write a book or something? And he's like, maybe I should write a book about it. So um, he sat down and wrote this whole book. And it is 600 pages. Holy shit. Yeah. And wow. I got to say, uh, it is not poorly written. It's not interesting to me because I don't care about furries in space but his writing style is actually not bad like you can read it and you know get lost in the story basically Um, so it's a weird conundrum it does take up a lot of my time to read so I was reading a little bit of this while I was also reading the Ghostbusters Uh, and it's I don't really like like it or anything like I don't want to keep reading it because it would be like you reading a Roman history book like I think it's great you don't think it's that exciting and it's labor for you to read. So it's kind of that for me, but I got to admit it's well-written and it's got all this backstory and character development and world building and blah, blah, blah. So I think I'll just do that this week so I can get it out of the way. Cause he keeps bugging me to ask if I've read it. All right. Well, that sounds like a good plan. Yep. That's my life. All right, then <laughs> I guess I'll, uh, I think we ended already, so I'll just talk to you later. Were, were you still <laughs> recording all that, though? Yeah, we, I was recording. I'm not going to keep any of it because I'm not saying anything too flattering. Um, <laughs> he'll never listen because he's not the type to think, oh, I should ask him. Oh, I do have one thing to add. Uh, the strange woman that was in my house, which she was in my house talking at me for a good hour and a half, possibly closer to two. Uh, she said, oh, I should probably get going, huh? I've been here for a while. And I said, yeah, I gotta get going because I gotta get ready for something I'm doing with a friend. And she said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, uh, we're recording a podcast. She just was quiet, changed the subject, and moved along. (laughs) (laughs) So as I always say, telling anyone you have a podcast is so not cool, and it's embarrassing. (laughs) It's usually a good conversation starter for me. So ah, it, it never like is for me. Well, maybe because you're approaching it with such a negative attitude to begin with, and people are just picking up on that. Like, no. When it sounds like it, you well, keep telling like, me, like, don't ever tell anybody that we do this. They'll hate you. Well, I don't have that happen to me all the time. And <laughs> I don't think I have a fairly <laughs> jovial approach 
but maybe I do. Well, you should probably let me in on your secret. Uh, you should practice with me. You want to do it now? No. <laughs> you want to do a little role play with me? All right, fine. <laughs> no, that's don't ever say that again. <laughs> okay, I think we're done here. All right.